I'm just down the street from Frisco Fried in the Bayview neighborhood of San Francisco. I'm Schmitty with Talkin' Schmidt. Today, I link up with longtime skateboarder Elias Bingham. Elias lived in a three-story house filled with skaters for years in San Francisco and was sponsored by Element. He then moved to Austin, Texas and opened up the skate shop No Comply. The shop has continued to grow and is now one of the top shops in the country. Oh, and side note, Elias's great-grandfather was Hiram Bingham. He was a professional of Latin American studies at Yale and he was led a lot of expeditions down uh, into Peru, which ended up to him discovering Machu Picchu. Also, before we start the show, I just want to give you guys a heads up. It's official. I'm going to be interviewed by the executive director for the 50th episode. Email all your questions to talkingschmidt at gmail.com and she'll pick out the best ones. Anyway, thanks for all the support, everybody. And now here's episode 33. This is Elias Bingham, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Just give it the old college chart right here. Oh, big dog's in. Schmitty! What do you think, Schmitty? 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty? Talking Schmidt. He's so fucking bitchy. The cherry popper. I <laughs> shit my pants, lad. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmidt. I'm here for Greg Smith. What's up, everybody? I'm back again with another episode from Texas. I'm still here in Austin, and I'm out at one of my favorite skate shops, No Comply, with Elias Bingham. Hello, everybody. What is good? Oh, just chilling. Nice to have you out. Yeah, dude, nice to be here. I love this city. I was telling Cheryl that I've been to portland more times than here but i love uh, austin a lot it's always good to get out here when it's not south by <laughs> yeah i recommend that's it's good to come so you can actually on another time so you can experience the whole town yeah we hit the salt lake last night we got the barbecuing we got barton springs and we got a couple of visits to your shop so those were all high nice. on the uh, bucket list so it's done sounds like you did it right yeah we were just talking, where were you born and raised? I grew up in upstate New York till I was about eight. And then I was, uh, my mom's from South Africa, so I went out there for a little bit. I like was, Johannesburg? No, she grew up in Zululand. Oh. So, yeah, she grew up, she speaks fluent Zulu and Afrikaans. And no way. So that was a trip because uh, seeing her talking with her childhood friends and this, and clicking clicking away. Right. It's a pretty pretty bizarre language it's pretty pretty awesome sounding so it's really neat to see how long were you there just maybe about four months or so but at that at eight years old that was pretty significant um me and my twin brother simon came back with uh full south african accents at the time (laughs) fully picked it up and so yeah that was an epic time for sure then we moved to uh new hampshire new hampshire we were there till about eighth grade, second grade till eighth grade, and then North Carolina through high school. So, it started skateboarding in New Hampshire, and then really, really got into it in North Carolina, and really met a lot of people that I'm still friends with in through skateboarding from that period. And was that Raleigh or Wilmington? In Chapel Hill, North Chapel. Carolina. Oh, okay, that's yeah. where the university is, right? Yep. 
yeah, that whole Raleigh-Durham triangle area, we all, it's pretty tight-knit, as long as well as everyone else in North Carolina, this, the skate scene was pretty tight. And then I, what brought you to SF? Uh, me and Sinclair went on a road trip to California at the end of 95, and it was going to be a three-month road trip. Um, I ended up staying till the end of 2006. No way. Yeah, there wasn't planned. I just ended up in San Francisco, and Sinclair dropped you off. Yeah, he actually he bailed out early. He wanted to go home early, and I was excited about staying out for a few months. So I just stayed, and then um, Bob Reynolds was living there, and his neighbor said they'd rent me his, their couch. These two girls, and I rented their couch, and ended Where up. Where was that? What street? On uh, Divisadero and Western Edition. Yeah, Western Edition. It was like Golden Gate and Divisadero, I think. Ah, oh, uh, sick. Yeah. And so then you eventually made it to the Van Ness house. Uh, yeah, we had a few houses in between. We ended up, um, my other buddy, Mike Fortney, moved out there. And um, him and, and our friend Todd Cutter, who had moved there as well, We um, Mike had looked up houses to rent, and we ended up getting a house uh, on uh, York Street, York and 24th, which was... Oh, right by Pops. Right by Pops, but, yeah, at that time, Sketchy. it was... Uh, yeah, it was the main blood street in the city. Yeah. We didn't know. We just looked up a house. It was cheap. The daytime looked nice. And then when we told any of the locals where we moved, they thought we were crazy. <laughs> and we learned why later. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did you have some gnarly experiences? Um, yeah. I mean, there was there was a lot of drive-bys. There was, you know, just every weekend, at, at least one night every weekend, there was crazy gunfights where sometimes I was literally scared to sit up in bed because I'd hear bullets ricocheting. And then we got, we did kind of get jumped by about 30 gang members one night. That was a pretty crazy event. Whoa. Probably was some kind of initiation for one of the gang kids. Yeah. Uh, we were going to play pool downtown, catching the bus on the, the nine bus on uh, Potrero right there. And we um, basically went to the store, got some beers, and we're waiting for the bus. And uh, there's four of us. Little kid with a puffy jacket, hand in his jacket, comes up to us, and he's, he's like, you empty your pockets. Break yourself. Yeah, we, we just, there's four of us. We weren't even, like, we were just like, whatever, just ignored him. Then we see about 10 more kids coming up behind him. Well, not kids, but bigger dudes coming up behind him. And a car pulls up. The guys jump out of the car, and we're, like, kind of trying to figure out what to do and what's going on. We ran across the street, and about 30 other dudes come out from the shadows across the street. Fuck. We're like, oh, shit. Yeah, and our friend looked back, and our friend's surrounded by all the other guys, and they're all just swinging on him. So we get chased. We're just running as fast as we can, but at hey, 24th Street was no we joke. Were, we're right, yeah, we were running down for trail towards the hospital. So I, I was dragging my heels, so I couldn't run as fast as I normally can, but huh. I was because my shoes were too loose. Yeah, I made it about a block and a half, and I this giant thug dude football tackled me. I'd made it to the sidewalk, so I'd, he slammed me into the into the fence there. So I didn't go all the way down. I was halfway up. Yeah. Broke my he slammed me really hard. Broke my fingers, and Fuck. I was it was pretty crazy because I'd seen all the gunfights and know that everyone was like they're killing each other out there. So I knew they didn't. I was like, why would they care about us? I was like, the rest of the guys are catching up, and I had that had a 22 bottle of beer in my hand that I hadn't opened yet. Damn. So I just clonked the guy over the head. Not like he just dropped, kicked off my shoes, and ran in my socks and ran and ran in zigzags because i was convinced after hitting them that they i was just 100 percent in my mind that they were going to start shooting at me i can feel these guys behind me and i didn't want to get tackled again so since i hit them over the head i was ready to 
I was like, I have to turn around and stab these guys with this broken bottle. Never thought I could ever stab anyone in my life, or I thought that was something that I was not capable of doing, but at that time, I like, that's what I had to do, and I was, like, ready to do it, and I just almost did it, almost turned around and did it, but I got away. I made it away, Fuck. ran away, and then I get... When I, I got away and I look at the bottle, it didn't even break. So I would have been just like poking him with a full bottle. <laughs> <laughs> have you been uh, to the city lately and seen what 24 oh, is I mean, like now? Yeah, I mean, even while I was still living there, it had turned into what it has had started turning into what it is yeah. now. And Pops is there. But back then, there's no way Pops would have been there. That's, oh, that Pop, yeah. No, no, I mean, there was, was there's, no way, there's no I, way that would have been okay. When Pops was open and we first started going there, there was a couple nights where they locked the door, put us all to the back of the bar, and was like, "Dude, just be like." It was sketchy. Yeah, it was so yeah, it's not. It's it's no joke. Now they got families walking down two four getting coffee. I'm like, what? Happened? Yeah, no, I know. But for me, yeah, that was like that whole corner was like the YSM York Street Mob, Twenty Fourth Street Mob. Yeah. Before that night, we weren't intimidated by them really because they didn't. We obviously weren't in a gang, and they didn't care about it. like they were just more worried about other the other gangs. And okay, after that, it was a little kind of planned when we went out at night, <laughs> right. which way we'd go. Yeah, basically the kid was just had to get a, a wallet. Like the kid had pulled out a gun. Yeah, like just give us your wallet, and he gave the wallet, and they left. And then how did you get into the Van Ness house? The Van Ness house was with Meredith and Vic and a bunch of there's a whole North Carolina crew and Cairo um, in the beginning. Uh, Pete Thompson was on the on the second floor basically that house had burnt did, down did you know and cairo already yeah i'd oh. already cairo lived out at that actually the house that i was tell, just talking about he oh. lived in the closet in the living room at that house oh okay so that was a we rented a two-bedroom house and we were, we're 19 we rented a two-bedroom house it just grew from three of us to turning into like anyone in town would like come hang out and like oh can i just stay here for a night yeah and four months later they're still staying there and it turned into 13 people living there in this two-bedroom Cool. Where we had about seven people in the living room. Cairo lived in the closet of the living room. So yeah, we, we had been roommates before. And then you guys moved to Van Ness, and was Pete involved with it, or he just uh, coincidentally moved into downstairs? We had all moved in around the same time because that that house had actually burnt down before, mostly burnt, and so it been was just fixed up. And we knew some other guys from North Carolina that lived on the first floor, so we had we knew that it was becoming available and. Um, so right. a bunch of us, Strubing lived on the first floor. Shout out. Strubing. Uh, you and Bowman, what's up, guys? Shout yeah. out. Seth Cheeks in the Seth closet. Seth Cheeks, yeah. Shout out. Pretty epic times. How'd you get on Element? Dan Wolf hooked me up with New Deal. He, he started getting me boards because he was team manager of both at that time. And he was getting me a bunch of boards. And then I guess uh, Reese had told him to give to give me element boards instead so oh sick super awesome because shout out to reese yeah. Forbes. shout Thanks out a lot reese he helped me out a lot helped me out with the getting on vita as well and just super awesome person and amazing to be able to skate around with him that was, he's part that was, of my softball team oh awesome yeah we got <laughs> softball night and uh, it's me him rob welsh Alyssa, becker mm. Our crew's grown. We need nine for the full team. But. We don't stand a chance. I don't want to need anyone else. You're good. <laughs> but going back, you discovered skateboarding in New Hampshire. Is that mm -hmm. where you got your first real skateboard? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what it was? Uh, Jeff Phillips. Sick. Yeah. The one with the, the breaking out, the name breaking yeah. out of the I got block. it used from a, from a friend, but... How that's rad. How, that's ironically ended up in Texas. That's, that's Dude, that's one of the better first boards because yeah. I ask everybody on the show what yeah. their first board is. Yeah. 
Mine was Mike McGill. Sometimes I have yeah. a hard time saying that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I love when I get, oh, Jeff Phillips, are you sure? Yeah. That's too good. Yeah. That right rules. That was a, yeah, secondhand, but it was, yeah. So Cairo said that you used to skate with shin guards. What was up with that? I just banged my shins a lot, trying flip tricks. Uh-huh. I guess I wasn't consistent enough, but I was just always banging, banging my shins. They were always bloody, and I guess at some point... I got some kind of staph infection in my shins, right? Um, where it just turned into just just hundreds of pus bubbles all over my shins, and it just was was it looked pretty nasty. And I I went to a few different doctors. None of them really knew what it was going on, but I had basically just got one where they were just saying that if this infection gets into my bones, I'll have to cut my legs off. No way. So that's uh, I got shin guards. They were trying to tell me I could never skate again because it's too risky. Damn. If the infection could keep going, I just was like, I'll just get some shin guards. Basically, my shins are, are now papered. Like the the skin just was really thin from the infections that uh-huh. I can now I can literally flick it with my finger and it'll rip open. Like even today. Yeah. Oh, it's, and then now it's even worse. I'll show you my other shin because I had to get. I got. Oh my! I got God. hit on my. <laughs> I got hit on my motorcycle. If, so if you've ever seen a swellbo, it's like a swellbo, but on the shit. It's a skin graft. Damn. So I, I got. I got t-boned on my motorcycle about five years ago. Had to have a few operations and took shin from my. Does that make it tough to like run and stuff? Like do you. I it? mean, it took a it took a while at first. I couldn't even move my foot for a while. I didn't do yeah. physical therapy for a while and get my foot working. But as far as where the the, the skin graft part of it, it's it's numb. Okay. So if I bang it, I'm, it's, I don't know what happened. I, I definitely have to keep wearing shin guards. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the valet service. You ran a valet <laughs> yeah. service in San Francisco. Yeah. How did that go about? Like, what? how did you get so business savvy? Like, how did you well, figure out how to run that and get it going and everything? I randomly started working for one company, um, and then it just started growing a lot whereas this one company had about two restaurant accounts and then it, it grew and i kept getting different just connecting with other skateboarders it were even slap had an article about skateboarding and valets back then where it just really grew to uh, so many skateboarders were valet it was just a perfect job if you're trying to skate all day yeah and you go work for five hours at night make a lot of money and then you can still even go out at night. And you have like it's, it was such a good job. And then everyone wanted to work shifts. So you see, if you wanted, to, if you wanted to go on a trip for a couple of months, it didn't even matter because someone would just cover your shifts. And it was skaters that kind of understood, like, oh, you're going on a trip, I'll cover it for you. Yeah, and it was it kind of took someone with this skateboard mentality, I guess, or skateboarders to do the the job in San Francisco because there's no parking there, and right. there was no, and everything was not legit. Like there was no. You're working at these restaurants downtown San Francisco, and there's they do not have a parking lot, which no one know, know that none of the customers know that, or no one knows that. But there's no parking lot anywhere for them to use. There's nothing available. So you're parking at rush hour in downtown, or wherever the restaurant is. You're you're making spots somehow. So you're having to like drive a few blocks, high go to an alleyway, and park at a fire hydrant. You know which fire hydrants you can park at. You know how to where to park, and you're right. just playing, but the, and trying to make it. The customer doesn't know. Because oh. it's totally illegal. All these accounts are run like that because there was no parking lots. You think that's how they're running it today? I don't know anymore. I, there's some of them probably, yeah. It's a common job for skaters to this day. Like, it's the job. You're making 20 to $30 an hour in cash and you oh, make it work. You're like, yeah. I got it. I'll go do it. And it was like kind of a fun challenge in a way. It was stressful, but it was like, you're like, fuck it. Yeah. I'll go park it somewhere. Yeah, you're like 
backing up two blocks on a one-way street just because you know you see a spot opening up and you're just flying up backwards in someone's brand new car yeah it's it was a trip there's you have people with their brand new car like i wouldn't let my brother drive this and they just give it give you the car and you're just like flying backwards up is there a standard for that kind of stuff like me and my girlfriend were just checking out of the hotel and i'm like is there a percentage we read that there's 10 percent for every ten thousand dollars the car's worth is how people tip like is there some... really i've never heard that I've like if it's a thirty thousand dollar car you tip three dollars if you go off that way it would probably be backwards so oh. someone with the used honda accord or civic or whatever any older car is going to tip better than someone with a better car generally because the rich Cause hold they under their money right they res- they respect what you're doing uh, and they, yeah, they're not. And right. the rich, they don't care. They just expect people to do stuff for them. Unless they want to pay extra and you don't leave, drive their car and you leave it up front. It definitely doesn't correlate with the value of the car. It negatively does, actually. Yeah, I always trip on it. Like, do you tip both ways? Like, if you're going into the hotel and coming out, do you tip uh, both yeah. ways? I guess it just depends on what you're doing, how if much it is. If you come and go 10 times in one day, you're losing a lot of money. Right, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, I mean, that, for us, yeah, it was just, we just, we did restaurants and then, uh, I know it's probably different with the hotels. Sure. Basically, this company got really big and started treating us. We were taking care of everything, and they weren't started like not really treating us as well. So we were just like, "Why don't? What if we just start our own company?" Mm-hmm. And we brought it up with the restaurant. And they're like, "Go ahead." And That's sick. Me and uh, Johnny Roughneck started. started what that. was the restaurant? Uh, it was restaurant Lulu and Azi and uh, Ula. Oh, sick. So it was, yeah. Well, it just started with Restaurant Lulu and Ozzy, and then Ula opened up down the street, and we took that over. We did that as well, but it was basically, a, I guess, a hostile takeover, which, yeah, it was kind of a crazy move there, but we, yeah, we just kind of did it. We've tried to figure it out. Like, how do you start a business? Right. And it worked but out. It was, but it was also the same thing. We, right after we got, we took it over, there was a parking lot across the street. It got bought out, turns into apartments, and we were parking all the cars in the back alley all around the street it was just there's a lot of a lot to deal with any time of day or night i get a call yeah crackhead broke into a car again fuck that sucked to have that hanging over my head always and i didn't i didn't want to own it more than five years because I, I felt like i would that's what i would end up doing forever if i did it more than five years i'd start growing it too much you're trapped yeah so that's that's so five years to the month i left did johnny still did you like give it over or did you just get out of it uh yeah well yeah, that, basically he that sold him my part with uh without the getting the money part does he still do he it? doesn't do it he ended up selling it to someone else a few oh. years later okay we're gonna take a break actually and uh, hear from a few of our friends and we'll be right back when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply this is Dylan and Stevie from No Comply Skate Shop in downtown Austin, Texas. If you're in town, make sure to come beat the heat and come up and see us. We have all your favorite brands and everything you need. Also, Shortbus might be here and everyone loves him. <laughs> Bye. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. 
this is Austin Emilio, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Let's go to that magical day that you're at Third and Army, ollieing over a pipe. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, booyah, Thrasher cover. Yeah, that was crazy because I thought Luke Ogden was just trying out his new camera and just testing. You just kept asking me to keep alling over that. Was, was that the Hasselblad? Like his yeah. first time mm-hmm. using this? So okay. I thought he was just practicing. I was, you know, well, he didn't tell me he was going to use Like I didn't think he'd use it for anything. I just thought he was practicing with his new camera. So he kept telling me to do ollies. And I was like, all right, cool. And, and I, I still have the Polaroid at my house. No way. Uh, yeah. Sick. It was funny. Like I was just leaving i was just joking like yeah cover shot you got just expected it not didn't think it was really for anything mm-hmm. i guess all my housemates found out about like cairo knew about it no like no one told me uh-huh. and then, so it was a surprise well it ryan kingman who was the team manager at that time of element he texted me he's like congratulations i was like huh <laughs> I, I didn't know what he was talking about so i talked to him i was like wait what yeah. what's going on he's like wait you don't know I was like, wait, am I actually on the team now? Or what's going on? Like, what? <laughs> Congratulations, what? From yeah. flow to pro. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome surprise. I had no idea. Do you remember the year? It was a May 2001 issue. May 2001. Yeah, classic covers. When did you go to Austin for the first time, and who were you with? My twin brother, Simon, had ended up out here. Uh-huh. He had been here for a while. He ended up here with a girlfriend, and then um, I came back because he was he got into a uh, movie called Level Land that was filmed here, and they were going to premiere it at South by Southwest 2000. I don't know if that was three or two or around that time. Okay. So I, I drove out with him and uh, a few folks. We came out for, to see the premiere of that, probably around around that time, around 2003 or so. And then what made you leave San Francisco to open the shop out here? Well, one thing was the valet thing where I was really wanted to find, I didn't want to get stuck doing that. And my five-year mark was coming up. Mm-hmm. And then that was one factor. And then my twin brother, Simon, was still living here. And then he, that summer, found out he was about to have twin daughters. And I was trying to look for something to do, somewhere to get into, and he was saying we should do a shop here in Austin because really wasn't one that there was one here that people really just really weren't into, and it they would rather they wouldn't go there. Just it wasn't supporting anything, and so I was like, yeah, that's a pretty awesome reason to just try something new, dive into it, and so really without too much, you know, not much time at all, I just kind of dove in. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Sublet my room, left SF, came. Just dove right into it. What were the hardest parts in the early stages? There's a lot of, yeah, it was hard. I didn't know, I'd, that was my first retail job ever, so I had no idea. Didn't even think about a lot of it beforehand. So uh-huh. I was just like, oh yeah, wait, what do you do? How do you, how many, how many shoes do stores have? I've no, I'd never even thought about that. Yeah. So a lot of it was, yeah, it was very tricky. I'd just sink or swim, just kind of try and figure things out. Learned a lot of stuff the hard way. I had to bartend, you know, put all my money into it. All I saved up money I put into it. So, and I couldn't, any money I, that we'd make at the shop had to go back into it because it was the right. only way you can, to keep it alive and to grow it was to get more. And So you were working two jobs, right? You were yeah, bartending too bartend on the side. I and worked the shop all day. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. And then you were saying, because originally you got the shop in the south, and then you said you started coming over here on the daily looking for, because you knew this was a good area. So you would ask people if they want, if they were going out of business. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like our first location, which was in a little plaza in the south of, of Austin. Uh-huh. Uh, when I, I knew there was plans for a big skate park. And then I knew once the money was actually allocated for the park and it's right near downtown. Mm. It just it meant coming from San Francisco also, it just meant a lot to be able to, to skate to and from the shop. I felt felt like 
we want to have a skate shop that it's not just driving to and then you drive away. I wanted somewhere that was close to downtown so you could just go skate downtown or from downtown and get to the shop. Even without the park here, it was it was cool to be closer to downtown. And then it was also next to Austin Community College. So it's, it's cool to have a, a lively flow of students yeah. and just having a flow of people walking by. It just gives it a little more energy. No, but, it's a cool spot. The coffee yeah. shop moved in. Yeah, so that took that took a while. Once we got this location and then the park took another three years or so to oh, actually wow. open. Right. Um, but it really, we got really lucky and they, you never know what park you're going to get and, you know, how it's actually going to come out. And this one came out great. That's one of the better parks out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Austin was on the show last week and he was saying that he's been going to a bunch of uh, skate parks on his travels and he's like, dude, the Austin one's still just the best. Yeah. It flows really well and it's it's spread out. There's It's just a, so many little things to mess around on. It, uh-huh. It doesn't get old, doesn't get old. You guys have done a a, a few, if not more, collabs with um, rad people. Is there yeah. one that sticks out to you? Well, probably our biggest accomplishment on a collab would be our, our van shoe that came out this year, and that was with uh, with all with Daniel Johnson. Our, yeah, and that was pretty epic. I just bought this shirt, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The shoes sold out right away. They still have some of the shirts. Yeah, it was like a really cool thing, and it was a cool to collaborate with the whole High RU project. It's Daniel Johnson. It's a nonprofit to, that brings attention and mm-hmm. to uh, mental mental health awareness. And proceeds, a percentage of sales went to to the foundation. Rad. Yeah, that's a good cause. Yeah, definitely. What's some of the other stuff that's like? really positive in the skateboard community right now i know you were mentioning that there's like a real influx of uh, girl skaters yeah we've seen a, a huge growth around here and i guess everywhere with girls and women getting into skateboarding the difference i think was especially when it's a younger girl or anywhere from like five or six to mid-teens and there's their their dad's coming in their dad is now my age so it's there's a whole different understanding of what skateboarding is than say five or ten years ago when the dad would come in and their daughter wants to skateboard and the dad would just be very weirded out and like i don't know it's weird she wants a skateboard like acting like she's asking for i don't know now it there's there's nothing weird about it it's just like yeah she wants a skateboard so yeah there's a whole different dynamic and even the shoe companies and everything are realizing that we don't need to make just shoes that are cute and canvas or whatever for the girls we they're actually skating and they're ripping and they, they need something and same with kids we don't need to sell it to the mom the shoes to the mom except the kids are are ripping and mm-hmm. and that's finally taking notice we got to give props to Alyssa steamer yeah we just have to yeah she's gonna come on my podcast someday she's a good friend but yeah, she fucking it. paved that way she lizzie and nora are two of the current girls i think that have boards up and stuff from legitimate companies yeah is there other girls that like girls are looking up to there's actually quite a few it's hard to, to name everyone without leaving people out yeah. from the element days i remember vanessa torres she had first got oh on yeah and that was really cool we went we picked her up vanessa. and went to skate camp i don't know her well but i would see her randomly through the years and just kind of see her come out of her shell because i know that was must have been a, a hard one for her when first getting on and just diving into that world of being you know there wasn't many like her doing it, it yeah was more and of a, she's the, got the guys that rad style like yeah and then she did so it she cool. hand came in and she yeah made her mark and that was that was cool to see even back in sf just seeing there would be the premieres with with the girls in the videos and they would 
they would rage harder than any of the dudes. They, yeah. Once they became comfortable with it, they made, they really stepped up. It was cool to see. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Amy Curran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesse Van Rockout. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, like I said, too many names, and we don't want to yeah. leave any out, but yeah, no, these are just ones on the top of my mind. We can't talk to you without talking about uh, Machu Picchu. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal there? Hiram Bingham. Who was uh, he? That's my great-grandfather. Um, he was a professor of Latin American studies at Yale, and he was led a lot of expeditions down uh, into Peru, which ended up to him discovering Machu Picchu. It's, yeah, it's something that, for me, was always a cool thing to know about growing up. You've been there, obviously. I've been a couple times, yeah. It's cool to see that, you know, the, a lot of the stuff's named after him down there. The, the windy road going up, up the mountain. There's, uh-huh. there's Hiram Bingham Highway. There's the Hiram Bingham Express, which is... Actually, a extra luxury train that we can't. I can't even go on. They use his name. You'll just see it everywhere. But it's, um, it's why can't you go on it? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm allowed to, but I can't afford it. Oh, it's five star. It's one of those <laughs> like crazy luxury. Okay. Yeah. Is there any tips you have for people going there? Is there a way to acclimate? Is the elevation a, a critical thing? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Should you go there early and acclimate before you hike, or like, what's your tip? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, well, you're going to end up in Cusco on the way there, and I don't know if that was six or nine thousand feet, but it's it's you'll feel it when you, yeah you definitely want to get used to it, and also you want to that little city is epic. It's, mm-hmm. You want it, but it takes time. You want to acclimate and get so kick it in Cusco. Yeah. You're about Lake Tahoe elevation, so you get there for a day or two, and yeah, all of a sudden when you, you get there for sure. Yeah, know. I always get like when I go to Colorado, I always have nausea yeah. and a hard time sleeping the first night. It's you'll, you'll feel it, but uh-huh. I highly recommend planning it more in advance and doing the four-day hike there. You can hike the Inca Trail. It's about it's a four-day hike, and they they limit the amount of people that do it because it's for wear and tear. They it's I forgot how many maybe 500 people a year can do it or something. I'd, because it's the actual Inca Trail that, right? And it's it's not like a new trail they built. They just had cleared it out and cleared it so you could get on it. But it's an amazing. They, you have to do it with a guide, and which is awesome because there's a, the guide service. They run ahead of you. They just run off. They run up the mountain carrying. Yeah. It's crazy. You catch up to them, and they have food made for you. Like every meal is made, they, and it's the most amazing food. That's sick. It's yeah. still a, it's a hard hike because it's very vertical. The mountains, it's just straight up and straight down. So you're not very linear, like you're not going very far, but it's just straight up and down the mountains. It's, and you get to see sure, a lot. I'm pretty sure Fatback did complete the hike, so yeah. I have a little awesome. confidence. I think I got it. You got this. You can do it. Especially, yeah, if these guys are running off and they're carrying the tents and setting everything up, yeah. all you got to do is hike. Okay, right. So it's, but still, it's not easy. You're going straight up to 14,000 feet, so you get to where, like, every three steps you're taking a break when you get up that high because it's it's you're going up really quick sure traveling is kind of in your dna i think um yes. you've traveled a bunch do you have like a top three spot that you've really enjoyed lately i've been getting going out to mallorca a lot i've got a friend that lives out there and that's been pretty epic uh-huh. um I've, and i really like getting out to paris yeah. just like the the whole feel of the city and just just skating around there just epic just 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 invigorating being there sure. and, and recharging and just being just rolling around in that in that kind of ambiance is pretty awesome just skating around or riding a bike around okay. um, but yeah there's those have been epic peru is, is amazing lima's really cool as well now like it's just it used to be really rugged and just really smoggy and they it's cleaned up a lot that was a really cool city it's also hard to pick favorites because there's been a lot of epic trips i got to go to morocco a year ago and that was an amazing time there's amazing places everywhere yeah that's 
that's what I think is important about traveling for people is to when people think that their areas matters more than anywhere else like go yeah. somewhere everywhere matters just Check as much it and exactly. everywhere is just as has amazing things going on so when you're going on like a long distance trip because this is kind of something that is a weakness for me yeah do you have any strategies like do you need to get an aisle seat or a window seat or anything like yeah. as travel a certain time of the day or like i go for the window seat so i can sleep, sleep on it against it that's my yeah and then do you try to stay up the night before so you're tired and no no, I, I, I just you I think eat the most on the um, time zone that you're I going try, to. It's it's hard to really dive into that before you're actually doing it. I wouldn't give up sleep any time though. Like you want to, I think, even if you're going to be trying to sleep on your plane, you want going to different time zones. It's you want to sleep as much as you can. Yeah. Okay, but I think yeah, it's hard. one and time drink a, lot, oh, drink a lot of water. You get dehydrated after <laughs> six hours. I'm fucked. I yeah. feel restless. I can't read anymore. I can't watch TV anymore. I can't sleep anymore. I can't yeah. sit still. Like I'm just fucked. So, I don't know. I got to get better at those, the post, the over six, because I want to go to Australia someday. That's a long one. Yeah. I've, I've never made it there. But Cheryl wants me to go to South Africa. I'm like, that's sure. about as far as you can go. Yeah. And that's epic. But yeah. yeah, you go through. Yeah, it's crazy when you go through so many meals and <laughs> you're still on the plane. We got to wrap it up because yeah. I got to um, check out of my hotel, get to the airport. But I got to ask you at least one more question. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you had a really good experience hanging out with Tom Penny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was on one of my Euro trips. Uh-huh. Um, bumped into him and Theo. I knew Theo Hand from SF. Oh, sure. Shot photos before. Shout and out to Theo. What up, Theo? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was. I used to just go to Europe. For Shout get, out. Ticket for just stay out there for three months and or usually just get air hitch back then was a thing where you just buy vouchers and you could get on standby to flight. So you never you didn't have to commit to coming back. You just had to commit to like a period of time. Okay. So you just buy a, a ticket there, and then wherever you're at, you try and get on a standby flight at some point. Point. So I just go out there with not solid plans and stay out there for a few months. But Sick. Bumped into Theo, and he was with Tom, and I got to meet him. And then they were going back to uh, Bordeaux, where Tom was living, and they're like, "Yeah, you come kick it with us." So I didn't really have plans. So I went. And I just went back to, the, to them with them to uh, Bordeaux, and sick. That was that was a pretty epic time. I just, bet was, Tom's amazing. Yeah, that was that was a full legend. That was cool to kick it with him. It was quite an experience. Nice. And he was yeah, obviously someone that I'd. I really looked up to, and it was yeah. epic to be around. Yeah, yeah. I've met him a couple of times when we go to those Copenhagen things, and it was yeah. easy for me to get that open door because I'm with Jake, so I got to kind of be a fly on the wall for some yeah. rad conversations. Um, yeah. Anything else we should know? What's the address of No Compliance? 812? 812 West 12th Street. In Austin, Austin Texas. Texas. 78701. What else, what else should people know? Um, about no comply hey, um, just in general <laughs> yeah <laughs> people should know a lot of things in general i guess <laughs> yeah i wish i knew what it was so <laughs> i like but, that yeah i don't know that come by say hi uh, come by the shop they're very all, friendly uh, they got good coffee next door and they got yeah. lots of boards on the walls yeah. they support all the right people Roger Skateboards is up on the wall that's Seabin's yeah. company and they got fucking Welcome. They got all the deluxe companies. They got, you know, the Nike color wave coming out. I we were just Cheryl and I just went shopping and I think she probably spent like three hundred bucks in there. Yeah, all right, like, thank Damn, you. Let's get this, let's get that. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna stop you. Yeah. But um it's really cool hanging out. Good seeing Austin, you. Yeah. Austin, like I said, is one of my favorite towns. I feel like 
it's much like Portland where I just feel like yeah. everyone's so hospitable and I just feel comfortable here yeah. and like people are friendly and it goes yeah. a long way. Um, it was good reconnecting with yeah. you. Uh, what, what, what should we uh, listen to on the way out of here? Oh, got man. a got a song let's, we can yeah let's listen to some Daniel Johnson. Big love to all you out there. If you are in Austin and you don't stop by No Comply, you're blowing it. Um, Barton Springs, put that on your list. And oh, yeah. Definitely go get some barbecue at Salt Lake. I gotta run to the airport, but we'll be back next Tuesday. Big love from Talking Schmidt and Elias Bingham, and we out. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, talkinschmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, hats, possibly even a t-shirt. The website has an entire archive of the episodes with extra photos and sometimes even video. If you have personal pics of our Talkin' Schmidt guests, please send them to me at epicallytrife at yahoo.com and maybe your photo will end up on the site or better yet on Talkin' Schmidt's Instagram account. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature, and a special shout-out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs> Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs>